Welcome to Slacker Motor Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles in the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Well, Brad, welcome to the show. How you doing today? I am doing great. How about you, Addison? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing fun this weekend? Well, yeah, I cleaned up an area to start working on the KLR 250, pulled it into my tool room, as I would call it, started uh, tearing into it a little bit, draining the fluids, pretty sure that the uh, intake valve it has a flat spot, so that'll be one thing, or the intake cam, I'm sorry, has a flat spot, so I'll have to clean that up a little bit or replace it, I'm sure that's what I'll be doing, so I've looked into what that's going to run me and want to tear into it a little bit more and... Probably going to do some sort of a rebuild. We'll see the extent of the damage when I start tearing into it. Okay, so you've gotten—I don't can't remember if we've talked about this already—but you've gotten down into the valve cover, and that's about it. Yeah. So I mean, I hadn't done anything other than the valve cover because I could put that back on pretty easily. I wanted to have a space set up for it with some shelving area for me to take things out, place it all out, take pictures as I go if I want to. And so I just really didn't have that in my uh, 20 by 40 carport area. So pulled it into the tool room off of the carport, cleaned up a nice little, it's not as big as it could be, I guess, but it, I have enough room to walk around the bike, tear into it a little bit, a little bit better lighting, have a nice uh, shelf area that I've made over the top of a foosball table. And so, okay. yeah, that's just where I'm at. But I ended up uh, draining the oil out um, Saturday, drained the coolant, set it at top dead center, pulled the okay. cam chain. You've got everything kind of set up. I've got it set up, so I just need to start tearing into it. I'm kind of going slowly because I just want to absorb what I'm doing, and I'm just evaluating and looking at things as I go. So, um, yeah. So that was nice. good. That was kind of exciting, getting that going. So I'm looking forward to that. Not looking forward to the bill, but... Sure. The build, I can get on bar on uh, on board with. Sure, that's nice to have a spot to kind of do all that. So that's good. Sounds like you got the ball rolling. So you kind of just got far enough to know you had an issue, and now you've got it set up to go. Yeah, I, I could see the valve. Uh, sorry, the the intake cam had an issue beforehand, but just looked at it a little bit more. I'm pretty positive that that's <laughs> one issue. But I need to look at the journals. I need to look at a lot of other things to see the extent of the damage. Are you just going to go all the way down? Just because you want to know how extensive the damage is, or are you just going to go till you find a root cause? And I'm questioning it. I'm that. thinking about doing a full teardown and just checking all the bearings and everything else while I'm at it, because I did see a little bit of metal flake in the bottom of the oil, so it means I'm sure there was a little bit more than what I'm seeing. But uh, I just want to make sure that I'm starting fresh, starting at a clean slate, so I don't have any issues if we decide to go on, a, let's say, a motorcycle ride this sure. summer. I want to I wanna have confidence in what is on the road. Slacker Motor Ride 2019. Yeah. we got to get Brad on that. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be nice to, to have you on that ride this year. So, Man, I'm looking forward to it one way or another. I know I have a XT350 that I can jump on if uh, the KLR doesn't pull through or if it takes a little longer than I want to. But that's sitting in Burns right now, so I'd have to drive down there. Might work out for the better, though. Wife could come with me. My son could come over see see his grandparents, um, and then I could uh, romp around with you guys over around the Steens and other things. I think it'll be fun. 
Sure. Yeah. Okay. We got a backup plan. Yeah. I'm excited for it. It's uh, plans are coming together. We'll do kind of an organ loop. It'll be good. Yeah. So that was my weekend. I mean, what what about you? Did you end up? I know you were working on a paint booth. Building a small, we can call it a paint booth. I guess that's technically what it is, but a real makeshift paint booth so I can get some of my frames and body panels and other other projects painted. Sure. Uh, for now, it's really for the JT1 build. I need to get that stuff painted so I can start the build up again. And didn't really have a good spot. Don't really have a good booth to use and not wanting to pay the, the price to uh, have it done outsourced. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've got, you know, an airbrush. I've got paint gun i've got everything i need to do it i've got pretty small you know limited knowledge of what i'm doing but having the booth will allow me to practice on a handful of parts i've got a whole bunch of extra stuff floating around the garage i can practice and if i can do a you know a pretty good job with it then we're good to go if if i can't then i can still outsource it and i'm really out not much anything at all so it'll be a win um you know kelly my wife will go through and refinish a lot of furniture and different things so having a paint booth would be a beneficial to the family anyway so I've been working on that, just simple, you know, wood frame with uh, plastic sheeting, nothing too complicated. Mm-hmm. But uh, so far it's coming together. I've got the frames done. Need to brace the frames, figure out what I want to use to keep it, you know, full standing and upright at a 90. Okay. Uh, and then just cover it with the sheeting, so. Yes, what did we pick up, 2 by 6s when we were down there on uh, Thursday or Friday? Uh, 2 by 6 2 by 4 I think it was 2 by 4 by 12 It was 2 by 4 wasn't it? Anyway, picked up large, you know, two by fours for the to hold the the length of the booth. Okay. Um, but I'm looking at I'll probably just use two by fours by four. Put them in the middle. Kind of just put legs. Mm-hmm. Basically a braced T leg at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Just to hold them up. I was gonna just anchor them with you know, basically tie downs. Sure. But I don't foresee that being as versatile. It has to be in a spot that I can do that. Right. I couldn't just throw it out in the garage and use the 6x6 or 6x12 space at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have some, you know, three-foot back, tie-down location. Right, and you're trying to make this modular, so you want to make it so that way you can actually still move it around regardless of whether you go half-size or full-size yep. on it, right? Yeah, using the garage at half-size or pull it outside for a multi-day use at full-size. So. Sure. So far, it's going together. Uh, yeah. i kind of got to get the finishing touches on it, but it was Did good. Did that uh, lady ever get back to you on the fan? No, no, but... It was a super cheap fan. It oh, was still available. I, we know that, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not too worried. <laughs> between Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, there's a hundred yeah. of them available. Yeah. Okay. Once it's completely ready for that, I'll get a lot more you know, active about hunting it down for now. If people are going to be lazy and your average Craigslist seller, then oh well. Yeah. Lack uh, of response doesn't matter yet. Regardless, I enjoyed uh, helping you spend your money. So Thanks. thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's turning out to be fairly affordable. Yeah. I know you had to buy some more brackets and some other things yeah, that reinforcement. we hadn't foreseen originally, but yeah. It works much better with the, the brackets I picked up. Good. So it's moving in the right direction. Okay. But uh, yeah, also got a few of the parts done, cleaned up, keep using this molasses method yes. to uh, remove rust, and then did a little sanding. I've got a ton of parts that are basically ready for paint now, and need to get that boot done so I can start painting. Otherwise, Saturday night went to a uh, a movie premiere. Oh, really? What was it? I like that you pretend that you didn't know that. Well, we're on the radio. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> went to uh, <laughs> <laughs> went to a uh, backcountry discovery route video premiere for the California backcountry discovery route, the South Half. 
Yeah, I know it looked uh, very interesting. I couldn't make it, but it sounds like a few other people from work were able to attend. Uh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. We had a few. I just kind of threw out an invite to a handful of people. A little late, too, so I was glad people could go. I know we've everybody here has heard, heard from Dennis before. Dennis was there. Yeah. Uh, and then we had another guy, Dave, uh, that has ridden with us a couple times as well. Uh, came to the, the movie premiere, but it was a pretty good show. They, Latest Motors down in Gladstone, Oregon, hosted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a, an adventure dual sport, whatever you want to call it, a, a ride group that meets up about once a month in the in the good season, um, called, called Carl's Mystery Ride. Okay. And so they, I think, were the official hosts. Obviously, that's based out of Latest. So Latest had the the venue and set up kind of a big screen and a projector upstairs in their used bike. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. Area. So they moved everything out of the way, and so, you had a little viewing yeah, area. Yeah, bu- a bunch sit of down? bikes behind us, and then this big, you know, seating rows of seating with. A, oh, it wasn't everybody sitting on the bikes. That would have been more fun. That would have been more fun. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that another day. But uh, no, it's pretty good. It started up, you know, early evening. Okay. It was about a, an hour and sixteen minute movie. Yeah. How many people showed up? Uh, I think they so they were slotted for up to seventy five. I. Think. It was pretty full. There was standing room only at the end. There was maybe 10, 15 people that there were no more seats, and they were just standing right. for the full hour and change. And this is something that they wanted you to RSVP, yep. right? Okay. So that's interesting. So they have beverages? Did they have... I mean, what was what were you RSVPing for? A seat, or were they providing snacks? So they had, yeah, they had, you know, basic snacks, Costco snack, you know, box full of small packages of snack foods type snacks. Nothing magic or overly special. Snack, snack. Some uh, you know, Keebler mini cookie packages. So it was oh. it was fine. But some of those, uh, you know, and some sodas. That okay. was basically what we had. That's fair. But I just was curious. Again, it was a free event to RSVP yeah. for, so the fact that they gave us anything was pretty cool. Right. Um you know, they even did a raffle at the beginning. A few people won gloves, shirt, t- uh, sweatshirt, a couple of things. You so didn't win anything. I didn't win usually anything. you do. I was surpri- no, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. the opposite of how it usually works, but I appreciate your optimism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's rarely fair. Fine. Whatever. Anything, whatever. I mean. It would have been nice. Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, t-shirts, gloves. It wasn't anything crazy either. That's still fun to be able to be a part of that. But it was. It, it was a good good movie, too. Um, so kind of, you know, I got there a little bit early, ended up. Do you know chatting with a handful of other people there? Save some okay. seats for for uh, Dennis and Dave, but uh, you know chatted with a couple guys. Basically, everybody there is running adventure bikes. Everybody I talked to had something. There was a guy I sat next to uh, before the the other guys got there had a nine ninety KTM that he's just loves. Has had it for a number of years and has looked to replace it. Apparently, lived in Idaho, worked at a shop in Idaho. Oh, really? Had hookups okay. for replacement bikes. But couldn't really bring himself to get rid of the bike that he is already, you know, enjoying. Okay. He's doing everything he wanted. So it's been, uh, you know, for him, good experience to go about. It sounds like he's done a number of the Oregon backcountry discovery routes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine he's done more than that. It sounds like he rides his, his 990 pretty hard. Um, but, you know, of the group there, it was, you know, me with my Scrambler. Uh, Dave, who's got the uh, what, CB500X. I believe it is. It's a, a basic, you know, I wouldn't even go middleweight, but we'll call it a middleweight adventure bike. Sure. That's yeah. very street-oriented, similar to the Scrambler. Yeah. And then we've got Dennis, who's got a, you know, a, a 400 dual sport bike, but he's also got the GS 1200. So he's got, you know, he's got the best setup of the three of us that went. 
Uh, then last went to the show. Um, kind of looked it up before we started here, and they it's worth seeing. If you go to uh, ridebdr.com, you can find a lot of their stuff. They've got videos for a number of states. Uh, in fact, kind of pulled up the list. They've got a, a full video for Arizona. They now have the South for California, which is what we went and saw. Uh, they got a full video for Colorado, for Idaho. They do one that's the Mid-Atlantic, and it's kind of on the East Coast. It okay. picks up a number of states, Virginia, sure. West Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's not a, you know, a smaller states, so they can't, to make it a multi-day ride, they make it so it's, you know, those four states. Uh, looks like they're working on Montana right now. Sure. Um, but they've got New Mexico, Probably Nevada. Probably not this time of the year, I'm assuming, but okay. But Probably not, no. But they've got, yeah, New Mexico, Nevada, Utah, and Washington, and then they're also working on Wyoming. Uh, that one actually had a release of 2020, so by the end of this next summer, it should be... It sounds like they rode the route, they prepped it, got it all ready, and they'll probably have the video done. So is this... You can published. go to the website, and you can watch the video, or you buy the video, or you can preview the video? What what do you get when you go on the website? So if you go to the website, you can find... They've got basically ride reports or ride plans for each of these states. Okay. It is a backcountry discovery route. So what that means is it's as much off-pavement as you can get going. They try to go from south to north of each state. Obviously, okay. you can go in reverse, um, but the routes themselves are mapped out from south to north. You go to the site, you can get GPS markings for the whole route. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get a photo album from their rides of it and when doing the movie. Uh, you can get... They've got waypoints, gas stops, sites to see, you know, different cool, whether it's a uh, some monument, whether it's a natural rock formation, whether it's, you know, some historic site. They've got all the things that you can see kind of along the way as a more or less a tourist sure. stop. Um, and then you can go through that site. It'll give you a link. You know, you can go into the Vimeo and buy the video. I was looking at them. We're, we're talking about doing a watching the Utah one here in the near future right. with a bunch of the guys that we ride with. Um, it's actually less expensive on Amazon. I don't know why or what the deal is there as their link goes to the Vimeo site, but Amazon's got a little less expensive um, for the same video. So you can find them basically, I imagine, anywhere you can find digital movies. They've got their their video set up. But I think the, you know the videos, buying their shirts and stickers and whatever else, they've got DVDs on their website you can buy. I'll support this PDR group, which is Backcountry Discovery Route, and it's a nonprofit that basically works to maintain and and keep all these lands that they are riding across when creating these trails. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of a a heritage site, or, or not a heritage site, but a, a restoration site for these areas. So they'll they'll work with the private landowners that own some of this land. To make links, they've got connections with all of these groups to where they can use both public and private lands to make a route from, you know, south to north of the entire state. And then, uh, you know, they're basically trying to maintain that land and they'll maintain the route. And it's just a nonprofit that tries to keep the open country available both to anyone. Obviously, what's around it is preserved for everyone that would ever use it, hiking, biking, whatever it is that wants to go into the area but as well to maintain and keep those trails open. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm glad you went into what they were doing and why they were doing it because that was one thing I was going to ask you, so you read my mind. Thank you. But <laughs> is this something that anybody can go on one of their routes that they define, or or how does that work out? It, I mean, obviously they're trying to do it to preserve the area, but it sounds like they've set up routes as 
is this you contact them to go on that route or you just go and it doesn't matter the landowners are fine with it it's already approved if they see somebody out there riding it's no big deal yep yeah it's set up and approved so that's on the site i mean it's free to get the gps tracks you just go to the bdr site ride bdr and you can get those gps tracks download them have them on your gps and just run the whole route yeah cool um Oregon's an interesting one, seeing as we're right here in the state. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually run by a private operation. Uh, it's a husband and wife crew that that run the that run a route through Oregon from south to north. And because yeah, they had already set up routes and already established some organization to this and already gotten those connections, BDR was actually and you can go to their site and, and look at it. But they're basically respectful of the work that was already done, yeah. and they just support that that's what it is. Right. So there's a separate site for Oregon um, through that couple. I know you can get to it just by searching Oregon BDR. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it actually, when I did that, it went to the state you know, Department of Transportation website where they have links to everything, and they talk about the route. It's a very well-advertised route in Oregon. Uh, I used to you know, be big into the Jeeps and... And uh, that was a common thing. There's Once again, that's also free that. if you yep, free to use. choose to go down that now, route. Now, the maps, and I don't know about the GPS tracks. You can find them basically anywhere at this point because yeah, other yeah. people have run the route and taken their own GPS tracks. Right. With the risk, I'm sure, yeah. Sure. Theoretically, uh, you're only supposed to be able to get the maps and routes via this couple's website. Okay. So it's a little more maintained as a... I think I don't think they're making profit on it, but they're trying to earn that money to help maintain and, and build new roads and, and tracks and routes for people to go. So it's mm-hmm. similar to what BDR are doing, but BDR is a much more national organization where it's running multiple states and, and a much bigger job. Yeah. Um, but the video really tracked, I mean, I guess I've got the, uh, you know, a little synopsis from the video that I got from their website, but it tracks a, a handful of riders that are going doing the route. You know, there's obviously somebody who's a good still photography guy, a good videographer. They've got their kind of filming crew. Uh, interesting on the video that, you know, trying to understand how they're eating so well, you realize about halfway through when a couple clips have a Jeep in the background. Huh. So they had a chase vehicle that was bringing food and obviously could help if something went down. I think if you're filming a professional video like that, it's a uh, you know, necessity to make sure you've got backup and, mm-hmm. and support should something happen. But uh, basically, the little synopsis on the on the website says the the film features four four time Baja one thousand champion Dakar Rally racer Quinn Cody of KTM, along with a BDR team taking a first run on the new Southern California route. The spectacular yet challenging eight hundred and twenty mile ride across the southeastern region of California starts in Yuma, Arizona, and ends in Benton, California. Primary using uh, primarily using rugged two track and remote dirt roads. The route leads readers through majestic canyons, rocky riverbeds, and sandy washes of California's famous deserts and national preserves. You'll experience quirky desert enclaves and ghost towns, visit historic mines, see ancient petroglyphs, and entanglios deep in healing mineral (laughs) hot springs. Sorry, dip in healing mineral hot springs and ride among the unique Joshua trees in the Mojave National Preserve. Um, so it's kind of a synopsis of what the video goes through. Sounds like it was the first time they'd run the trail. Yeah. Been set up by a handful of people. Um, they had some locals, you know, some from the Cal, you know, I guess what is that, Eastern California area that had been riding, you know, dual sport and whatnot through there for years. So all these people got together, kind of established a track, and went and rode yeah. it for the first time. They yeah. filmed, filmed the experience. That's awesome. Um, but it's pretty cool. I, 
looking at that, it, it was just beautiful. Yeah. You know, these guys are going at a pretty good clip. It's, you know, some KT, large large ADV KTMs, you know, the large BMWs, uh, an 800 GS, a uh, Husky 701, a, a handful of bikes from midsize to large that are moving at a pretty good clip at, you know, 120 or 820 miles over a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, you know, through nothing but dirt roads. And some of them, some of the spots look fairly challenging, real rocky, real sandy, yeah. uh, especially on these big bikes. So it was, it was just an interesting, uh, interesting video to go to. I thought it was really good. I, I would encourage anybody that's interested in adventure riding at all to check out what uh, what the BDR group is doing. Um, you know, obviously they get sponsorships. This one was presented by KTM and BMW, um, but it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it seemed like it really affected you because during lunch, you and Dennis were having a pretty, uh, pretty excited conversation about it. So yeah, I uh, you know I've always thought getting out and disappearing is fun. I mean, I've got a dirt bike and don't mind yeah. tooling around. Yeah, I had a Jeep before and always had the you know the intention to do larger multi-day trips. I've been to Moab and done the larger camping out of the Jeep trips. Yeah. Um, on a bike, it, it's kind of an intimidating factor just because it's different and you got to go with people. If there's anything I learned from off-roading with a Jeep is you never go solo. And I can only imagine on a bike that that's more true because if something goes wrong, it's not like you can just hobble your third, you know, the three remaining good wheels or whatever it is back to camp. If you lose the bike or break a leg, it becomes nearly impossible to ride your bike Sure, on a motorcycle. As opposed to you know sitting in a chair in a jeep and going home with one broken arm or whatever it is you can make it work um so it's it's just different concern so watching this was just exciting to see they had a, an interesting mix obviously one guy's a dakar rally racer yeah yeah uh, dang good at what he's doing out there uh, really having no problems but then they had an older local guy who was doing pretty good but he was on a smaller bike mm-hmm. they had the owner of uh the bm it was uh, bmw motorcycles of riverside that helped support the video they had the owner show up which was a an older gentleman of normal size it wasn't like he was a large large guy but he wasn't in eight day cross-country rally shape okay right he was your average older gentleman on a big BMW, and he was fine, obviously, through dirt roads and whatever else, but through the sand, he went down. He said as he picked up his bike, you think he popped a rib. Uh, you know, just watching someone struggle a little bit through that. They had a, a fairly new adventure rider with them that was struggling, and on anything that was remotely technical, mm-hmm. went down a lot. You'd watch, you know, get go low side, go high side, just lose control, and the bike would kick her off. And then, you know, you just had different group. This this group had a couple of people that were really good mm-hmm. and were just tearing it up and coming back and helping other people and basically guiding the trip. But you had a couple of people who were, you know, you or me out there riding it. And it was encouraging to watch because it was like, okay, okay, it was difficult for these guys, but they, they did it. Yeah. And they were able to make it. And they were on bigger bikes than I would own just sure. because I don't have... The cojones to, you know, buy a $20,000 motorcycle and wreck it immediately following. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. Can't do it. And so that was kind of the conversation I think you're referring to as we were talking about, you know, I, that's kind of what I wanted to get into today is is if you're buying an adventure bike, what's the right bike to buy? 
when I'm looking at these videos of multi-day you know, excursions, I probably we wouldn't have a Jeep if we did something like this. Doesn't sound likely that we'd have a chase vehicle. Maybe we could convince somebody to to follow us with food and carry half of our stuff, but probably not going to happen. So it needs to be something big enough to carry, you know, your your sleeping arrangements and two to three days worth of food yeah. at any given time. Um, but you know, as well, watching that video, you see these you know big twelve fifties and eleven nineties and these big bikes that just look like a handful. To keep upright in the sand and to keep going in the right direction when they're bouncing up and down rocks and boulders and the bigger, harder stuff. Whereas, you know, I've been on my 360 dirt bike and I have gone down on it, sure, by all means, but at the same point, rocks and sand, and you just scream over that because you're just lighter and faster and you know, less top heavy. There's just a lot going for you on those smaller displacement bikes. So that was a conversation I think Dennis and I were having is, you know, do you get a 650? Do you get a, do you want a 1290 so you can hit the highway and go for miles? Do you just want a 250 dual sport that you can float through all the trails, but maybe have a little less carrying capacity? What do you need to do ADV? And uh, I think it's a good debate to have, Brad. I know you've got a KLR 250. Have you ever done any off-roading on it? I've done a little bit, but not near as much as I would like to. I think a lot of that's just driven based off of uh, kind of where I'm at in my life right now. But I, I could see getting excited about it and uh, getting into it. It's been very interesting for me to watch you because I know that you've been very uh, gravitational towards a certain type of bike. You know, we've talked about it before, the XSR 900. But I see this this adventure bike kind of creeping up, whether it be a dual sport or whatnot, and it seems to be coming to the surface more. So you come back from this video, and I see you getting super excited about talking about adventure riding. And then over lunch, you were saying that you don't see that being the one and only bike. I mean, when you bought your Scrambler, was the intent that it would be a little bit of both? And then it kind of morphed into street only? Is would that is that a fair assessment? I think that was the plan. I, I bought the bike, uh, you know, definitely the first year I had it, I would tear up and down fire roads out in, you know, out in the area, out by the house, and I'd go, you know, do the waterfalls and different things that are out there and go explore, you know, hard-packed dirt roads. Sure. You know, hard-packed gravel at worst. wasn't like I was doing anything that was anything like the harder spots of these trails, but truth is, 80% of these BDR roads are just hard-packed dirt roads. Um, so yeah, I had that plan, that intention, and kind of did a little bit of that, and then found that I really enjoyed the street. And the horsepower and kind of leaning hard into corners and the different experience because I've done, you know, I've got a dirt bike. So if I want to go do complicated, difficult forest roads, I can get on the dirt. I can haul the dirt bike out to the trail and go do that all day and excel. You know, it's a vehicle that excels at it. Whereas my bike, you know, the Scrambler would struggle on any single track anywhere. Sure. Uh, tires, you know, would help a bit, but the suspension travel and the weight and just the way it's set up would struggle. Um, you know, so I ended up gravitating with that bike much more to the street, whereas the dirt bike it was left for weekend, you know, dirt bike experiences. But, uh, you know, that's the, the adventure bike's nice because you can ride to the trail. Yeah. My well, problem that's one is, thing that I loved with the 250. My concern with riding to the trail is that it's pretty wound out if you're on the highway and going 
over 55 miles an hour, it'll do 65, 75. I mean, you've seen me going 85 on my little KLR 250, but it's really not meant for that. So I think it would be somewhere between a 250 and a 650 for me. I don't know if I'd really want something on the big side. I appreciate and enjoy the light and nimble. Doesn't mean that I wouldn't enjoy the extra power and weight on the highway, but I think I'd be more in the like 350, 450 range. I don't think I'd want the 650 even. I think that's maybe even a little bit top heavy for how I want it to ride when I'm off-road, but that's kind of going into, I'm using this as my off-road bike now. So that's, you know, outside of just watching the movie, Dennis and I stayed a little later and of course, sat on and hung out with some of the the bikes that the latest has down there in the showroom sure but chatted for a while that you know that's my issue it's come up many times that i'm selling the scrambler looking to replace it for something different just for some new experiences oh really and uh yeah <laughs> you know i've kind of been looking at the xsr and these other bikes that are definitely 100 percent street oriented yeah yeah um and that was you know the conversation i had with dennis is can you you know the problem is with these nicer newer bikes they're relatively affordable, but it's still it's hard to buy one of those and also get an adventure bike. And that's the perk I think of the the 450, the 400s of the smaller maybe that midsize between 250 and 650 is you can find them all over Craigslist and and wherever else for, for relatively cheap. I mean even the KLR 650s you can get pretty good maybe a little bit older maybe a handful extra miles. Pretty good 650s for $2,500, $2,800. Yeah, I've seen them come up with low miles and somebody just wanted to get rid of it for less than two. But it's rare. It's rare. It's yep. rare. Yep. You have to be ready when they come up. Yeah. And that goes to, I mean, that's for all bikes in sure. general. If you see something and it's priced where you want to jump on it, you got to. You can't yep. wait on it. You have to just do it. Sure. But, you know, it goes to show that you can get these adventure or these dual sport adventure bikes yep. a little more on I the know, dirt side. Yeah. than the street side for a pretty good price. And so that, that was kind of the conversation that we were having as well as what, you know, whether you can get both. Can you have the best of both worlds by just literally having both worlds? Yeah. Right? A dual sport is, depending on the make and which bike, you know, is either going to be okay on the street and pretty good on the dirt or it's going to be pretty good on the street and okay on the dirt. You're never going to get one that's good at both. Um well, regardless, I think that you're going to compromise. Whether you get one that does a little bit of both or you get two and then you compromise on what you're getting in those two, maybe the age of it as well, maybe the amount of miles, maybe the performance of it because now you're trying to get two and you now are trying to spend that same amount of money or less than what you would have done on the one. So I think it's a compromise for sure. That's fair, but I think, I think you can get two bikes that will do just as well, if not better, than the similar-priced, newer bike to do both things. Oh, I completely agree. I'm just saying it's that you're compromising something. With age, yep. you have additional things that you need to take on as far as maintenance are concerned, and we're not even talking about wear items. We're just talking about generally age itself and how it plays havoc on, on a bike that sits or, or that's just been around for a while, been ridden a little bit, whatever the case may be. That's fair. Yeah. That is the the compromise. We'll see. That's that's kind of uh, the other issue is that I've got is that uh, a lot of guys here love the idea of going adventure riding, but when you know the the rubber hits the road, you don't see a lot of guys going out and doing multi day adventures. Mm-hmm. A lot of us, a lot of the guys that we ride with, also have a dirt bike. 
They'll do the same thing I do. They'll go haul the dirt bike out to, you know, go haul it out to Hood River or mm-hmm. haul it down to Jones Creek or wherever they go and ride it for a day. Right. I mean, even Dennis, during our conversation at lunch, was saying that he would still want to haul his adventure bike to the area and then ride that area. Is yeah. that correct? I mean, I, I, that's it's, what yeah. I perceive. Yeah. My, my issue with that, I mean, especially with these rides, the, the experience of being able to do the entire state of... The big one on our list right now is Utah because there's sure. just so much to see and it's so beautiful out yeah, there. Yeah, even though you were just down there. Yeah, like it'd, be more, it'd be fun on the, in the dirt now. Yeah, no, I can, I, I can see that. that. That was such a good trip, and I think that's why everybody's excited about the idea of doing it again, but this time with a different kind of bike. Well, and now you're getting to do a lot of the same rides, but jumping off and doing more in those areas. Yeah, I mean, some of those, I, I was looking at the Utah route, and we did the Mokey Dugway. That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. We did, you know, some of these little little... Parts of the ride, especially the kind of laps between on and off road, because there are some highway sections, maybe not highway, but paved road sections, um, you know, are ones that we were on. One of the, the stops for the night is Blanding, Utah. That's where we stayed when we were there. I mean, it, it would hit similar routes. We'd just be basically crossing over the highway back and forth. Now, how long was that trip? How, how many days were you on the road? So we left from Portland went through Salt Lake, down through Moab, then did all the national parks heading west, then dropped down to the Grand Canyon, okay. and then back up to St. George area, and then over back up basically northwest into Portland. Now, was that five days, though? I'm trying to remember. So we did that over days. 11 days. Now, that was 11 days. Now, you add to that, are you looking at this being a 14-day are you adding three days to be able to do a lot of those offshoots, or would you not go as so far So this south? would be less miles, because we went east, south, and yeah. then west. Sure. Right, on bike. Okay. And so the idea, and this is my my struggle to understand what Dennis would want to do, because you, you could go down 84 on your truck with yeah, the bike yeah. in the back and go from north to south instead of south to north, or whichever way, drop the bike off and go. But they don't really connect on any major highways. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Utah route starts in kind of the southeast corner of Utah, down near Mexican Hat, which is a town we were in, um, for the other trip, and then comes up. Kind of Utah's kind of got that little corner notch knocked off, right? So it comes up and then cuts west and up to that northern tip where it hits hits you know up up there by Bear Lake. And if you were to haul your bike to a certain location, it would be difficult to start the ride because you'd have to freeway ride it to one of the stop spots, start spots, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make a lot of sense to go to the end and then freeway ride all the way down to the beginning and then do the beginning. Then wait, wait, wait. I've got a solution for him. Here we go. He needs to tow his bike with his bike. So he takes the bike that he wants to ride on the freeway, on the highway, and he tows his adventure bike. So he gets to ride the whole time. Right? No? No, I don't think that's what he wants to do. Oh, well, didn't we want, Even for our Utah trip. People have done this. I'm just saying that if he really wants to go, I mean, what's the point in driving? You lose a lot of that adventure, if you will. That's true. I know I'm calling highway adventure riding, but it's still an adventure to get to the destination. By taking a truck, we know that that's not going to be near as exciting. Maybe more comfortable, sure. More comfortable but, and generally quicker. But everybody else is still riding. Depending. So, so that would are be you suggesting that everybody else is going everybody to also... Everybody would have to truck out. 
Yeah, uh-huh. that, that would be the conversation is we'd throw... So the 20-foot trailer and two, then everybody bikes. getting on a quad cab. Sure. Two bikes in a truck and four on a trailer, whatever we could do yeah. to, to get everybody out there is, is the logical solution. But that's the problem is you drop off in the northern tip of Utah... Have to take fifteen all the way I fifteen all the way south, and then another eighty miles east. No, I can't do it. And then start I there on the it. bike. No, right. You're being in a stuffy cab with no. Well, you're going to do the problem is you're going to do four hundred miles of freeway just to start after you've already gotten to Utah. I, I know four. No. I don't. So that's the that's the the big perk, and that's where we get into this conversation of what size do you need? Do you want to haul a four hundred or even a six fifty from Portland? 1,400 miles down to the southern edge of Utah to start the adventure trip. Mm-hmm. That's all highway, 85-plus miles per hour the whole way. You don't want to be going 60 because the cars are going 85, 90. You know, you're stuck on – you can take all the back roads, but now suddenly your 10-day trip up turns into an extra three, four days on the highway and each way. My issue is is that if we're but really going to do that and you're going to spend that much time off-road, I'd rather just stick around in the areas that are closer by. Now, Utah sounds awesome, don't get me wrong, but it seems like there's a lot in Oregon that we're just driving through and we're getting past because we want to go somewhere else. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, man. I know. And so then you're talking about all these smaller <laughs> bikes trying to go on the road. I mean, so I mean, what's the price point or what, where do you start getting into the larger bikes that would actually be more comfortable for the ride and then they can still perform off-road and be that adventure bike. We talk 1100s, 1200s. I mean, what bikes are we talking about? Anything over a 650? I mean, what are we talking about? You get a V-Strom 1000. You can get the new Versus 1000. You can get, those are kind of the lower ends, a little bit lacking in suspension, but could do it. You, you know, you might be struggling here and there or be a little bit limited and get weird feedback or whatever it is just because of the build quality, but it would do it. Otherwise, you're talking, you know, your your BMW GSs. You're talking your your KTM, uh, right? Your so you're either around Tigers. 650 or something that can do pretty good. It's set up to do it off road a little bit, maybe more so. Or you're going to the BMWs because really, I mean, I mean, I'm not putting the verses down. I'm just saying that it sounds like it's really not geared towards being able to do that kind I mean, of I adventure riding for your ability to do on and off road. You get what you pay for with, sure. the, with the Triumph. The KTM or the BMW. Yeah. I mean, looking at the bikes in that market, there's there's a huge jump, right? You're at that 12 to 13 range on the Cowie and Suzuki, and then you jump to that $20,000 range for the same similarly equipped, you know, Triumph, KTM, or BMW. And for okay. that extra $7,000, you end up with premium suspension, premium electronics, traction control, everything you need to be able to do both well. Right. Without just either shutting everything down or up or pushing it to its limit. Yeah. So that, you know, the 1,000, if all you're going to do is what I did on the Scrambler for my first year, Mm -hmm. just tear up dirt roads, then that's a bigger, more touring-oriented version of that bike. Mm -hmm. Right? The Mokey Dugway, 80% of these trails, the 1,000 will, you won't notice that you're not on the nicer bike. But that 20% where it's a fairly difficult terrain you're going to see the difference. I'm sure that's debatable, but I can understand where you're coming from. Oh, it's all rider as well. Yes. I mean, I, if you know what you're doing, then you could get on the sport bike and try to pull some of this off. I was just making it clear that those BMW riders are going to definitely notice the difference. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Just the day they bought it, they noticed the difference. Yes. Well, right. yeah, well, the, the burned hole in their pocket as well. <laughs> but, but that's beside the point. 
No, but it, it's an interesting game. It's something that, I mean, you're getting into my desire to switch out my bike and the conversations that we continually have about what I want. And maybe we'll just do one of those to, as a podcast, everybody else can hear my my neurotic indecision. But, uh, you know, it, it is interesting to think about if you were to go to an ADV route, you know, to be able to commute and do these trips we do that are generally not off-road. That's the problem sure. I have is if, you know, if a bunch of the guys around here or a bunch of the people I ride with did one or two adventures a summer or whatever, right? then it would be a pretty easy, convincing figure to at least get, you know, an 800 or a 900, some of the, the mid to heavyweight. You can get, you know, the GS 800 or the Tiger 800 or you can get bikes that aren't, that are built with the premium build quality at more of that large liter plus Japanese bike price point Mm -hmm. from the European brands. You just lose a couple of CCs, but they really perform well. Um, But, you know, the problem with all of that is if if all we're doing is road, which is really all we do, unless we do legitimate dirt road, you know, dirt bike trails, Mm -hmm. then it just doesn't make a lot of sense to spend the money on an adventure bike right now. But... It looks fun. I, I it sounds say- like it. You make it sound very exciting. I mean, I've seen a lot of videos. I've I've done a little bit of that kind of writing. I'm just saying that um, this sounds like a lot of fun for us to get into, but is it something that's a one-year and then nobody wants to do it as a group? Because the group ride aspect is a lot of fun. And to your point, you don't want to be going solo, regardless of YOLO. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I fear that you plan that all day. Uh, yeah, just just the last few minutes. But anyway, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, my concern would be that everybody would uh, would it would be a once every few years thing. I agree. So then you really want to have the two bikes because you know that you're going to spend the majority of your time on the easy, nice, having fun in the twisties, even if it's relatively close to our home area. And we've got a lot of great roads around where we are. Uh, maybe not Tale of the Dragons, but still a lot of fun routes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's what makes the 650 or that you know, $2,000, $3,000 bike price point make sense. If, mm-hmm. you're, if it's a limited-use tool, then there's really no reason to drop fifteen grand on a bike that you're going to limitedly use. Right. Right, when you can get a perfect – I mean, I, you can get these seven, dollars $8,000 street bikes one year old that will put up a fight on the street all day. And have similar reliability. You're not losing much for half the money if you just do a street specific bike. So I think that, that that's probably the point that Dennis was trying to make. Unfortunately, he's oh, not yeah. here to defend himself. Yeah. But if you do two lesser bikes, you basically get the equivalent of one do them all just as well bike. Mm-hmm. Right. You can spend twenty grand on a bike that's pretty good off road and pretty good on road. Or you can spend three grand on a bike that's pretty good off road, and seven grand on a bike that's pretty good on road, mm-hmm. and for eleven or you know for ten, I was going to say that you, for half the money you've got the same bike. Yeah, value. You just have to I pick which one. That. You can can't just get on a bike and expect to do both on the same trip, mm-hmm. right? You got to know before you leave the house which day you're going to have. I mean, you could. You could. Kind you of could. goes back to you know what you what are you comfortable with? Are you okay with a little bit more vibration on the highway? Yeah. Or are you okay with it not performing as well off-road? I mean, how hard are you going to ride it? Well, that's the issue, right? You're going to get that, and everybody's going to go on 84, heading through Idaho at 90, and you'll get there a day after them. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that, that, that's the issue is you really can't. If that's what everybody else has, then you're you're that guy. And no one wants to be that guy. I'm that guy. You're not. Uh, that's what you just said. You are if we do nothing but cruise at full speed over to Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah, if we do back roads, no one's that guy. That's why I like our group. We got into this at lunch today, and I guess it's worth chatting, but it's, it's a good group we've got. Talking yeah. about, we were talking a little bit about the Slack Remoto ride mm-hmm. coming up this year, and you know, it's a good group because it's such a mix. We've got, I was thinking about it the other day, I was talking to Anthony. One of the guys we ride with. I talked okay. to him this weekend. Oh, good. Yeah. He's in for the ride. Yeah, awesome. Um, but, you know, he's got a Honda Fury. His buddy that came last year who's got a some version of a large Harley. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the specific designation, mm-hmm. model number. But uh, he's got a, you know, a Harley. He's got another buddy that says he wants to go who's got a Harley. His brother just picked up a Victory Octane or something like 8-Ball or one of the big Victory Cruisers. Yeah. So okay. we're going to have this weird mix of... You know, that crew that's got a, you know, a Fury, a couple Harleys, and a Victory. victory. And then we've got our crew that rides a little more often around this area. They're from a little further south. You know, then we've got two GSs, a 500, a 250, a Scrambler 900. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess Al's talking about bringing his Harley. You know, we've we've got this mix of just every type of bike. And so when we go on these back roads, it doesn't matter what you're riding because we all kind of go at our own pace. And when it's a 40-mile-per-hour road, we can all go at about the same pace unless mm-hmm. you've got low pipes and you have to go slow around the corners. Yeah, Anthony. But everyone else, uh, you, dude, that guy rides that <laughs> <a> freaking <laughs> race bike. Anthony is, it, it's fun to watch him ride. Yeah. The amount of sparks that come off his pegs is just amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing to watch as he's going around the corner. In fact, sometimes scary. <laughs> but, uh yeah, but, you know, the guys on the Harleys go a little slower around the corners, and that's fine. Because yeah, sure. we get to the gas station, yeah. and, you know, we've got eight people or whatever it might be for that trip. By the time the fourth person's fueling up, those that we haven't seen in an hour just come pulling up behind. Because the truth is, that five, ten mile per hour difference over an hour, you've, what is he, four or five miles behind at yeah, 60 five, miles an hour? It's later, he's going to be showing yeah. up because everybody and else we, is either... We're generally in small towns that have one or two pumps. So by the time everybody gets pumped, they're filling up too, and everybody's Mm -hmm. at the same point. We all start together. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it works out every time. Mm -hmm. It works pretty good. So I wouldn't worry about your 250. I just need to get it going. So I'm kind of excited to get into it and dig into it a little bit, be able to work on it. I've worked on plenty of uh, motors, but uh, all on the larger truck scale, car scale. So this is... This is a new adventure for me, but something that I'm somewhat familiar with. So I'm excited to get going on. I just need to get it done. Sure. Have you Have you not? I mean, I hadn't until I worked on my old dirt bikes. But have you torn down in a motorcycle engine? Is that what you're saying? No. Yeah, I have. I've done lawnmower engines. Okay. I've done other things. I've done you know like my 390 in my Ford pickup. I've done 350s and some other things, but but never a motorcycle, a four stroke motorcycle. So this is okay. kind of new to me. So I'm kind of excited. Not that I'm excited for the build, but like I said, for the build. On that KTM 250, or sorry, your, your Cowie 250 should, KLR 250 should be pretty simple. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find anything that's any more complicated than any engine you've built. No, okay. no, it's just so. a matter, it's just new some different things that I'm not used Especially to and pulling it apart. And the greatest part of working on motorcycles is you pull that engine out and you just lift it up with your hands, mm-hmm. right? You just pick it up out of the bike, especially a 250. Mm-hmm. You pick it up and you set it on a table. And then you disassemble the whole thing and it all fits on the table. Mm-hmm. And then you put it back together and it's still on a table. <laughs> and then you just pick it up with your hands and you put it back in the bike. Yeah. 
And you bolt it together. Uh, it's just the simplicity and size factor of working on bikes to cars. I worked on Jeeps and mm-hmm. redid, you know, the top end of the Ranger I had. And, you know, I similarly have broken into things that you're like, I'm not pulling this out because I got nowhere to put it. Yeah. You got to do this in the truck or whatever in the bike. It's especially with the dirt bikes or smaller displacement yeah. bikes. You know, four bolts and that thing's just out, and you don't have to deal with the frame or anything in your way. It's just all right there, smiling at you. Yeah, yeah. On that note, I mean, I'm so used to doing it in a car that I've started the process just within the bike. But that's a good point. I could just as easily. You're just probably your four. I mean, you've got a full Based on what frame. I'm planning on doing anyway. Yeah. It My, be too bad. The, the hardest part is probably. You know, your swing arm is probably attached to the rear of the engine, would be my guess. Do you have a... I have to look into that. If not, if the swing arm is also attached to the frame, it is literally just a couple bolts and out. Yeah. You know, some of the dirt bikes, the swing, the rear... The rear of the engine is the... Or, sorry, in the, in the scrambler, the rear of the engine is the swing arm structural member. Mm-hmm. So, it's a little more complicated because then you got, you know... You basically have to tear down the entire. Yeah, I don't think frame. that's the case for the Kalar, but I gotta. I, but I the, the older dirt bikes I've got, it's just literally four volts and out, done. Put it on the table. It's smiling at you. Yeah. I've got. I mean, the IT. Before I started getting too far into the frame and stuff, I was just sitting on blocks rebuilt, ready to go because yeah. that was the easiest thing. The easiest part of fixing that bike was the engine rebuild because it's so small and compact and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's a two-stroke, so not a lot into it either. Yeah, real basic. But uh, it's amazing. Bikes are fun to work on because they're just so simple. Yeah. I think that's a, a big draw for, you know, motorcycle community. If, if anybody has a, you know, the desire to work on things and figure out how things go together and work and function, you know, a motorcycle, getting an old project bike is just such an easy way to just tear into something and figure it out. And chances are if you bought a project bike, then you got it for under $1,000 and it wasn't running. So if you even decide it's too much work, and you give up, you could probably get about what you paid for for it back. Right. Right. And if, if in fact, you figure it out and you're, you know, a mechanically inclined human being, you can pull it apart and get it resolved and you can you know, make money on that project bike in the end when you got a fully running engine. Sure. So it's, you know, it's a cool, it's a cool addiction to have because it doesn't take too much space. I know a lot of guys that pull them into their living room when they're working on them, mm-hmm. lay down sheets. Yeah. And just build them on the friggin' I'd be all for it, but I don't think the missus would go for oh, that. Oh, I agree. That, that ain't going to fly at my house. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I can force it in there, but uh, that just wouldn't be a lot of fun. That's that's why when the kids move out, one of their rooms will be my engine stand. Got the office right across from the garage? I would well, that's probably what it would be. One. We'll put the office upstairs in one of their rooms, and yes. I'll just go ahead and make that an engine rebuild room. Yes. Just have parts everywhere. Yes. The house will smell like oil. You know, like yes. all houses should. Yes. I see no reason not to. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm sure this isn't going to fly. And the second my wife hears this, it's definitely not going to fly. Yeah, thanks, Kelly. Should have should have held that one back. <laughs> I played my cards. Uh, too I'm soon. sorry, I had nothing to do with that. I said nothing. <laughs> no, but uh, it was good. Going back to the the BDR, oh. just rounding that out. It was it was a good experience. Um, I'd like to see more of those videos. I think oh, they're pretty cheap to rent on Amazon. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You guys said about you know you wanted to do something over lunch. Yeah, I'm talking uh, about I'd be on board just with a, a long it. lunch viewing. I think that one's like 70 minutes. And I bet if you got everybody involved, I mean, people would, if you found four to five people, they'd probably pitch in on the purchase just saying. Oh, to buy it even? Yeah. I was say, it's 15 bucks to buy or something like that, so it's really not terrible to buy. Yeah, but you know. if you find five guys that spay, spend three bucks, I mean, they're, you're, sure. it's covered. Sure. Be a fun. Uh, I think having a couple of those would be fun on these trips when we get those Airbnbs on day two or three. 
we're all in a house, we can throw that up on the video and watch This those. is what we could be doing, but instead we're sticking to the roads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is for next year we can dream. We're trying yeah. to, we got to slowly... You're trying to plant the seed. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm trying to slowly plant that seed so when I get an adventure bike, I'm not the only guy standing like, come on, guys, let's go ride. Let's go off the road. Well, the problem is, is you're not the only one I, with an adventure bike, but some people don't always yes. use those adventure bikes. Oh, I, last year that. or two years ago on the Utah, we went up the Demoki Dugway. I mentioned okay. that already, but it's dirt road switchback, basically straight up the cliffside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fairly steep grade, and it's just all dirt. And you know, we had a Shadow 750. We had. What was the other one? Shadow 1100 or whatever the bigger Honda is. Okay. Uh, we had the Fury, and then we had a, what is, what is Dale's bike? A 1150, 1250 Sport Touring mm-hmm. BMW. I think it's 1150 Sport Touring BMW. Uh, yeah, Hot Tub Daryl. Okay. I hope he listens to this one. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, we've got, we had this mix of bikes, and then my Scrambler still had... 80-20 tires, so it still had slight knobby tires on it, and it was just a freaking riot. I'm just tooling up this road, nobody's coming, so I'm flipping a Yui and coming back down. Oh, there they are, flipping Yui tool back. I mean, I was just spraying gravel. I was having a freaking riot on this road. Yeah, yeah. Because my, you know, finally we've been on this at that point. What were we already almost two thousand miles in? Yeah, and you know, all roads, and I that was basically my first year on the bike where I had been doing back roads here and there. Sure. And it was just fun to be on this dirt road up the hill where my bike, you know, it's hard pack. My bike just gripped like you wouldn't believe because mm-hmm. might as well be pavement with slight knobbies, right? Sure. If it were muddy, it would have been a different game for everyone. But these guys got done and they're all pissed off. You didn't tell us there was a dirt road on this. It was supposed <laughs> to be a road trip. Everybody's a little mad because some of the guys were new riders. Yeah. You know, Anthony's brothers that came were relatively new to the game. Had never done dirt. Actually, his brother on the 750 had had dirt bikes in the past. Mm-hmm. And was the only one behind me on this Shadow 750. The other guys are being all careful, and he's up on the pegs on a Shadow, right, front pegs, and he's, like, leaned. It looked super funny. He was doing great <laughs> yeah. staying up with me, and it was a good time. Well, I mean, so that's my fear, yeah, right? We go on these trips, I'm like, we should go that way, and everybody always looks at that dirt road and gives me an instant no. I mean, well, they can all do it, even you, half the guys some we go of them with, aren't as... Catered towards that. That's what I mean. We've got, you know, Dave's got a adventure touring ish bike. Yeah. The other two, you know, the other two guys have GSs. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're ready to go. It doesn't make sense, but we can start planting the bug. That's what I'm trying to do with this. Since I'm in the market ish for a bike, now's the time. If everybody wants to start adventure riding, I can get one and be in the front of that curve instead of coming in behind. So we'll see. I don't think I'm going to get one. I think it's going to be a street bike. I think I'm going to try to save as much as I can on buying an older street bike to keep some uh, some cash in the bank this next winter. That's interesting. I want to hear about that. An adventure bike. This older street bike. Yeah. Well, you know, like at least a year old. Okay. That's just <laughs> You're really confusing me because I feel like you're going a certain direction and then you kind of throw a curveball at me but still keep on going in the same It'll direction. It won't matter when I have cash. Yeah. Well... Good luck. I so mean, I'm having a hard time with that, too. Mark is starting to heat up a little bit. I'm getting a few more hits, so we'll see what happens. Did anybody come look at it? I know no. you had somebody that was interested. No. He didn't follow through? No, I could tell when he was sending me messages that he really wanted to but wasn't going to. Really? Because yeah. he said, oh, I got ca- I might have cash. Let me let you know when yeah. I got it. Nothing. 
Typical Facebook message from Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, really? Yeah, I'm not surprised. This is why trading in always sounds so... If you ignore the money, trading in sounds so easy and nice. Yeah. it's just done. Well, if you're looking for an awesome scrambler, uh, Addison <laughs> has one. I mean, it is a great bike. Beautiful sound. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. I'll have to post that video on YouTube of the exhaust note. You had a good point to that, Brad. Yeah. But I think it's pretty awesome. Not not even close. I mean, even on the video, it sounds good, but but not near as good as riding behind you. So. Appreciate the sales pitch. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, anything to add? I can't add. You can't add. It's difficult. Yeah. I'm better at subtraction. Engine maneering is difficult. That's fair. I don't have anything really right now. I'm Like I said, I'm looking forward to... Uh, turn into the bike a little bit more, so I'm sure I'll have a little bit of an update on that next time we're on here. And then we've, I mean, maybe we'll be talking about potential purchases. I mean, it's kind of coming Hopefully. up. We also have some maintenance that we need to do on any bikes that uh, aren't up to it yet for uh, for this coming riding season. I'm looking forward to it and want to get on the road. Sounds good, man. I uh, yeah, like I said, let me know if you need help with that bike. Okay, we can uh, get a gang over there to crack into it and. Yeah, that'd be scary. But Knock yeah. it out in a day. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Just open that Bring wallet. Bring your sledgehammer. And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll buy everything you need. Good. Knock it out in a day. Sounds good, man. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank if, you. Uh, if you want to see more, you can find us on Facebook at Slacker Motor Radio or, of course, SlackerMotorRadio.com to grab the podcast if that's not where you found it. Uh, you can also please share, rate, and review the podcast. Uh, we appreciate any support we get. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yep. Right on. Mm-hmm.